Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with seasoned podcaster and branding expert, Jason Sircone. With nearly a decade of experience in the podcast world, he has built his brand around the consumptive power of storytelling and simplifying podcast initiatives. He helps coaches, consultants, and business leaders bring clarity to their podcasting endeavors and leverages the medium to become thought leaders in their own niche. It all started with flipping sports cards at local collector shows and to friends in study hall when he was just 13 years old and he's never looked back enjoy this story and interview jason joe what's up man how you doing hey living the dream you i'm glad to sun- hear it we got some sunshine here in kansas city how you holding up we're in something like the 30s or 40s what where you at pennsylvania second oh. winter has kicked in are you are you near pittsburgh i'm in pittsburgh Man, I am so happy the Pirates are in first place, dude. I have, <laughs> I have no ties to Pittsburgh at all, but the fact that another team in that division, I just saw that P in first place, and I was like, ah, finally. Like, Looks even like- the Ro- the Royals are losing bad, but Baltimore's here, and they're in first anyway. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, I was just saying, I, mean, I don't want to get too far ahead. I mean, I'm actually a Yankees fan. I grew up okay. a Yankees fan. So, I, I mean, I, I got love for the Pirates, too, of course. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. It's yeah. never, uh, I mean, it's such a weird sports dichotomy in the city right now. The Penguins had an off year, but now the Pirates are winning. So it's yeah. like, I guess, something to satiate the Yenzers, right? It, well, it happens here in Kansas City. We won the Super Bowl and we've had a horrible team. This team is an incarnation of bad that I haven't seen in a long the time. Like they, the Royals, you mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's abysmal, dude. Like, mm-mm. no. Well, like, I mean, Yan- Yankees are in the same boat right now. I can't figure them out. I I can't either, man. Like I like the playoffs were heartbreaking to watch because they were booing and Donaldson was fighting with the fans and you know, know Judge does this big home run thing. I mean, we have Chapman now, and I'm like, how is Chapman coming to Kansas City? And he looks like a different dude now. Yeah, they dropped the ball with him. I mean, they had no bullpen whatsoever. I'm not shocked at all. They got swept by Houston. Yeah, but. I mean that uh, just they did him wrong. Yeah, I, I I get it. Well, hey, it's great to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. And before we get into your life and your impressive resume, I want to know how did you survive COVID? The last three years was quite a thing. How did you get through it? And how has it changed the way that you live your life and conduct business now? It was a crazy time in the at the beginning of COVID. It's funny how it all came together. I was I've been doing podcasting since 2015. Yeah. But when COVID was, I mean, it wasn't even really a blip on the radar. When I came into 2020, I would had just turned 40 and I was working in the craft beer business. I was working with some breweries and bars and doing some marketing, doing sales, helping them get products placed. And it really was going well. But as I had turned 40, I didn't have the same passion that I did when I was 33, when I started that little project, because I was just an older person now that wasn't going out as frequently and partaking in all the drinking that I once did in an early part of my life. And I started to look at everything from the concept or the perspective of what do I want to be doing long-term and can I be doing this into my fifties and sixties? And the answer was no, but if there was one element of my business that I could be doing, it was the podcasting side where I was helping some, I had helped a couple people get their shows off the ground and I really wanted to put emphasis there, but I also didn't want to jump off a ship that was still floating in a great way. Yeah. Well, then COVID hit. And when COVID hit Pennsylvania, I mean, and I know it was like this around the country and even in other parts of the world, 
things shut down to a massive degree. And that included many of the places that I was selling product to. So I was in a position to get, I had to get very creative because everybody I worked with was like, well, you know, obviously we don't want to do this, but we really don't have a use for you right now. Yeah. So it was like, go from this very successful enterprise to zero or get very creative with what I was doing. So I leaned into the podcasting side of things more. I still worked with those breweries and figured out a way to make things stay afloat in the time being while I could make this transition. And then in 2021, I decided to go full bore into podcasting and been running with that ever since. So in a way, COVID really forced my hand because I was thinking about what I was going to be doing long-term, but I made that transition and it's worked out for the best. Good for you. Yeah. And I guess that's what I want to kind of get to right now of all of the avenues that you've gone down and where you're at right now. I want to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. And one of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them here in 2023? I would say that I tell stories for a living. Cool. That's good. That's one of the greatest things about the podcasting platform is not only do you get an amazing opportunity to connect with like-minded professionals like yourself, Joe. I get this opportunity to have a great conversation with you. I also get to speak to your audience and I get to tell some stories about my past and what's built me into the person that I am today. And it's a tremendous way to build my brand. And this is why I recommend it and help others do the same because that authenticity is what people are striving for, are looking for, are yearning for. Yeah, And if you put your authentic story in front of people and they resonate with it, they're going to be much more inclined to follow you to the next level where they may join you on social media, jump on your website, subscribe to your newsletter, listen to your podcast, whatever you're doing that brings value into the world. If you're presenting yourself as this authentic person who's been through some things, you've probably experienced some things that weren't necessarily positive, but you learned from the negative experiences and it shaped and molded you into who you are gives you an amazing opportunity to get to undeniable levels. And and if you can express that through telling a good story, man, that's a lot of fun. That's a tremendous way to grow. It is. And and the interesting thing about podcasting is, is that in this very divided world we live in, there is such a level of like a therapeutic avenue to understand each other, to understand that we're all probably more alike than we're not. And I just think it's really good. Freezing on me. Oh, Sorry. It, hold on a second. Is it better now? Joe, I lost yeah. you. Give me one second. Joe, are you there? Yep, I'm here. I'm here. Yep, okay. I'm here. Okay. All right, now you're back. Sorry yeah, about you, that. You froze up completely. No problem. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, it, the internet gets weird. But I was saying that it's a very therapeutic thing in this modern era to be able to have these conversations and to realize that we're all more alike than we're not. Grows up again, sir. Oh, sorry. I, I was just saying that the the podcasting is a very therapeutic thing for for right. I think it's really good to understand each other in this divided world we're in. Oh, one hundred percent. In no other environment do I feel that you have this ability to level the playing field that you do in podcasting. Because no matter how far you've gotten on your professional or personal journey. When you come together with somebody that may be a little bit further than you or maybe even a little bit behind you, you have this opportunity to connect and your goal is to have a conversation that leads to great content that the world can consume. In order to make that happen, you have to work together collectively or else it's not going to come off as something that people really want to get invested in. So being a genuine human being on 
either side of the microphone and getting that opportunity to just come together, work synergistically to create something special really can be an oasis in your day and ultimately create something that changes the world. Absolutely. So how did this begin for you? Go back to where you were born and raised and the seeds that were planted in you to become who you are. Yeah. I was born in a little town of Bradford, Pennsylvania. It's about three hours north of Pittsburgh, where I live now. And Bradford is the home of the Zippo Lighter. If you look for it on a map, you may find it. But the Zippo Lighter is something that's pretty famously known. That's our little claim to fame. And moved to Pittsburgh probably 20, I think it was 21 years ago. But back in Bradford, very small town. But we had an absolute blast when we lived there. We all knew that, I mean, for the most part, we were all going to be venturing off to new parts of the world. But the friends that I've made or the friends that I did make back in school, I'm still friends with many of them today. And I remember my dad telling me when I was younger that I'd be very fortunate if I had three people that I was friends with once I got out of school. And I think that for the most part, I've got more than that, but also many people that I can connect with more frequently. And I think we can thank social media for that luxury. That was something that was not in my dad's world, especially when he made that comment to me. But growing up in Bradford, where, like I said, was a great time. And with my parents or being, you know, my parents, you know, obviously we they were together, me and my sister, we were never wanting. We had a great household. We always had fun. It was a very, just a wonderful environment to be a part of. They were strict and not, you know, not overly strict but wanted us to become good people. And they instilled values in us that we still carry with us to this day. One being for me, and I know my sister the same way, work ethic. My parents worked incredibly hard and were very proud of the work that they did. And they weren't entrepreneurs, but the companies they worked for, they were very loyal to, and they were able to advance very far and and make great strides. And I always saw that. And I always viewed what they were doing as a template for what I wanted to do in my life as well, whether it was something on my own or working for a company. I learned at a very young age that I did have an entrepreneurial bug inside of me. And I started selling sports cards at the age of 13 at local card shows and to friends at school and on the bus. And it was a little industry that I just would turn around and blow the profits on more inventory and just buy more <laughs> cards. But I was 13. What did I know? Absolutely. But yeah, it was a very fun environment to be a part of and a lot of memories from my time in Bradford, for sure. Who's been kind of a hero for you in your life, a role model? I always look to my mom and dad, and I say that with you know with great affection. And it, it always takes me back to tell you a story. I remember when we were graduating back in 1998. My mom worked for Zippo and they had a little, I don't know, you call it a newsletter, magazine, whatever would go out. I think it was a quarterly release and they wanted to feature the kids that were graduating from parents that worked at Zippo. And I, there was a handful of us and we had to do a little interview. And one of the questions they asked us was, who was your hero or who did you look up to? And, you know, many people are saying, oh, sports figures, Michael Jordan, blah, blah, blah. I said, my parents. And I remember my dad telling me I'll, they were very happy that I said that. And my dad was at the golf course one day and somebody made a comment like, oh, here comes the hero. And he just turned right around and looked and said, I'd rather have my son say that I'm his hero than some sports figure that he's never met. Yeah, that's great. And, and that's and that story always stuck with me because I knew I was I mean, and it wasn't like I was just intentionally trying to get some brownie points. That was gen, genuinely, genuinely how I felt. And to this yeah. day, still feel the same way because there's still incredible forces in my life and 
serve as inspirations, motivators. I, sometimes if I need a kick in the ass, I can always turn to my dad for that. I know he's never going to be bashful about doing that because he wants me to succeed. Yeah. And that work ethic that I, that they instilled in me, it's something that I can't thank them for enough. So I can't look any further than my mom and dad when I say my, who my heroes are. Who would be a dream guest for you to interview on, on, on a podcast? Who would you love to meet and talk to? It's funny. I, I, I've, I've been asked this question in a number of different ways, and it's only because I think the, the the body of work that this man had done over the course of his life and the things that you've seen, I think would be so amazing to tap into it is Andre the Giant. Oh, yeah. And I, I had always thought about that back when I had my beer podcast, because this was a guy. There are many stories about the numbers of beers that he could put away in a single sitting. <laughs> so I always thought that would be the type of person to sit down with and know up front that I'm never going to keep up, but I get to watch this and yeah. record it on my podcast. But yeah. just knowing all of the things that he went through in his life with, I don't know, is it gigantism? I'm not sure what the exact name of the disease that he had where he was always growing. And they talked about how travel was such an inconvenience for him because he didn't fit on a plane and very few cars could hold him and just getting an opportunity to tap into that story to see how this man lived his life and became such a well-known figure to me. I, I think there'd be so much that you could tap into. And I know a lot of it's been covered and something I try to do as a podcaster and take pride in is digging a little deeper. Yeah. So I'd want to take some of those stories and get more to the heart of them to try to bring out something that he never talked about before. Unfortunately, I'm never going to get that opportunity, yeah. but a boy can dream in another life. Maybe yeah. the giant and I cross paths and we can make this happen. Yeah, totally. You know, he reminds me of uh, Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca. And um, I went to a Comic-Con in Kansas City and there was a guy that came through on one of those scooters. And my son, Miles, at the time was probably 11 or 12. And I kind of pulled him because this cart was coming so fast. And I just looked back and I was like, because we knew he was going to be there. And I look back and I'm like, oh my God, dude, Chewbacca almost ran over you. <laughs> it was awesome. So yeah, absolutely. So what is it that ultimately motivates you? Every day you wake up, you have things that you want to do that you do do, but you have a motivator. What is it that gets you going? One thing would be my daughter. Obviously for, you know, from, from the personal side of things, I want to create a life for her that obviously she sees the same type of work ethic that I saw in my parents. Cause I want her to carry that on as she grows up and I want her to have the best life possible. So that motivates me to get going every day. But I think just as important, maybe a one a would be seeing the success of others come to life. And I'm always trying to impact people, whether I'm working with them directly as a client, or if they are just, Absorbing a piece of content that I've created, whether it be a podcast episode or a reel or a YouTube video, whatever the case may be, I'm trying to impact one person a day in some way, shape or form. And if I can get somebody that reaches out that says, thank you for saying this or for doing that, that makes me very happy because I take more pride in seeing the success of others than what I'm doing in myself. I try to inhabit that cleaner mentality if you're familiar with the book relentless by tim grover to where you're not seeking that recognition you're trying to create something because you know this is the right way to do it and you want to see other people experience that success 
And then your next step is just saying done next yeah. because you're constantly striving to get to the next level, no matter what level you're at. So if someone were to evaluate me or if Tim Grover were to evaluate me, I don't know 100% he'd call me a cleaner. I would like to think so, but I'm making strides towards that mentality as much as possible. And in regards to sports figures being people that you idolize, he, he was the trainer for Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, two of my all-time favorite basketball players. And I know the mentality that those two brought to the game and to be able to take just a small chunk of that and implement it in what I'm doing. It's a good motivator, but ultimately what it's leading to is helping others get to the next level so they can experience a breakthrough and get something phenomenal from the efforts they're putting forth. What what was one of the podcast episodes that maybe you were nervous going in, but you grew a lot? One of the more growing, interesting, introspective interviews you've had? I would say this goes back to my very first podcast, and it was we, we I stumbled into this whole thing completely by accident. Our podcast had been going for a few months, and we were just really getting our feet wet. And I, I look back on that and know that I was still an incredibly green podcaster at the time, but I worked for a brewery here in Pittsburgh and the two brewers were tremendous Coheed and Cambria fans. And I'm a fan of that band as well. And I was thinking I were coming to Pittsburgh for a concert. So in my head, I was out on sales calls one day and I'd stopped for lunch. I was thinking maybe I can try to pull off a little surprise for the brewers. And if these guys have, nothing to do on the day of the concert. Maybe they'd like to come down to the brewery and just I'll give them a tour and they can hang out and meet the brewers. And I'm, I just wanted to surprise them and give that. And it was just a little fun thing I was thinking about. So I went on Twitter and I went into the direct messages and I sent a message and they, no, I'm sorry. I didn't send a direct message because you can't do that. I just sent it openly on yeah. Twitter because if they're not following you, you can't get a response or you can't get the message to go through. And that's what they followed me. So they could message me and they said that, thank you for the invitation. Would you be interested in doing a collaboration beer? I was like, whoa. So wow. I just raised and you went all in. That's amazing. <laughs> so now I had to break the secret and I went to the guys and said, Hey, like, this is a thing that could happen. What do you think? They're like, holy shit. Yes. Like, let's yeah. get this going. So we got it together. I mean, they didn't come to the brewery or anything like that, but they lent their name to it. And the beer was called Scream in Danger, which was wow. a line from one of the songs. Yeah. And I had coordinated a release party for the beer at one of the one of the bars that was to the concert venue. And they were partnered with one of the radio stations here, and they were doing some publicity. So I said, what the hell? I'm just going to throw my name at this and see what happens. I said could we potentially get the band on our podcast? And they immediately were like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, whoa, really? Yeah. Okay. Like they just figured like, they'd be like, no, there's not enough time in the day for that. But no, they immediately said yes. And ended up getting to have a half an hour conversation with Claudio Sanchez, the lead singer of the band, very well-known prominent figure in the, in, in the industry. Yeah. And I knew going in, it was me and my co-host and one of the brewers and they were a little starstruck <laughs> walking in and they didn't know what to say. So I knew immediately that I had to take the lead yeah. because I didn't want us to look like a bunch of stargazing fools. I wanted us to look professional and have a reason to be in the room sitting with him. 
And so I took the lead on that and, and it turned out to be a great interview and a great conversation. And we, we tapped into some stories about the band and the tour and talked about the beer. And then after that, they went to the release party and I got to be the, I was the person that got to go on stage and introduce them to everybody. Again, they just sort of threw a mic at me and said, here you go. So all these little experiences I got, they got, it was like drinking from the fire hose and they got thrown at me almost with no preparation, but I knew I was meant to be there. So I had to step up. So I grew up a lot in those experiences and it, and, and by doing them, it made me realize there's nothing to be afraid of. If you own the situation, mm-hmm. you don't fear what's in front of you. You can conquer everything, but if you're, you've got a, even a shred of doubt, sometimes that can hold you back. So that yeah. experience changed my mentality on this whole media production game uh, job and we call it what you want but it was definitely a difference maker so speaking of being starstruck you're a sports fan yankees fan if you could go back in time and history and see a game a moment in person where are you going you know that's a i i probably would have to say immaculate reception december 23rd 1972 I believe was the exact date, but that moment in Steelers history yeah. was is still to this day beloved as the most memorable experience. And that was, you know, going into this past season, 50 year anniversary and Franco Harris dies two days before they're going to honor him for it. It was sad. I mean, it was yeah. so crazy. I mean, being in Pittsburgh and I had an opportunity, it wasn't even, it was just an off chance. I was, at one of my old jobs, I'd gone to the bank in the morning and I was walking back and there was Franco Harris standing on the street. Wow. So I walked out, I just went up and introduced myself and just we talked about the current Steelers for a few minutes and just is it obviously a big fan of you and what you did for the franchise and walked away. Felt like, wow, I got to meet Franco Harris. That was awesome. But that's cool. Yeah. So if I could go back and see something live, I think just being in that stadium to be part of that environment when that yeah. took place would have been just an irreplaceable memory. Absolutely. So of all of the things that you've done and accomplished in your life, what are you the proudest of? I would have to say the the raising of a very level-headed child, very motivated child. My daughter's 13 and, you know, she's typically, you know, the typical teenager. There's a little bit of rebellion, angst. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But what I've seen from her in the past couple of years, and it started during COVID, because she was fully remote for, I think it was for her fifth grade tenure or, or term. And oh my God, she rose to the occasion so much. I mean, for, you know, to thrust upon a fifth grader that they need to be responsible for deadlines and being in class on a computer on time, she managed it like a champ. And I think it gave her this sense of accountability and a, a great deal of organizational skills and all these things that she can apply to now being back in school with her friends. I know that was something that she missed, but she knew the situation and she, like I said, did it like a champion. So I, I, I've always been very proud of the fact that when she was younger, when we would go out in public, she'd see these kids screaming and throwing tantrums and just making a, just a horrible scene. And she'd look at me and say, what is the matter with them? Because she never did that. Yeah. And it wasn't 
that I had to, I mean, we, I obviously had conversations with her like my parents did with me. When you're in public, this is how you act. And you don't scream and get for tantrums on anything because it's just not going to work. <laughs> and when I saw how she acted at the early age and how it's continued to evolve as she's grown, I couldn't be more proud. And her mom and I are divorced, but we still have a great relationship in regards to her. And that was one of the first things we talked about when we split up was that she wasn't going to be a pawn. We weren't yeah. going to play that game like a lot of divorced parents do. Yeah. We're, we're, we're very understanding of other each other's schedules and trying to make sure that we're both getting time with her and we both have active roles in her life. And getting the opportunity to see her grow and continue to grow into this wonderful young young woman and i know that's just going to continue to evolve as we as she moves into high school here in a couple of years and lord help me starts to drive a car and all yep. that stuff yep, yeah buddy. couldn't be yep. couldn't be more proud of what she's become so everyone has a perception of you family friends listeners but you ultimately live your life what's your perception of you who do you think you are i see myself as someone that is always willing to give to others and always willing to have a conversation with anybody, which I think is a very notable quality for a podcaster, because in a lot of cases you're meeting somebody cold, yeah. but it's up to you to drive a conversation that creates good content that people want to listen to. Yeah. So having that ability to strike up a conversation with anybody, I feel is a superpower and I run with it every day and I try to use it outside of the podcasting realm as much as I can. And sometimes in public, it works, especially like if you're in line at the grocery store, instead of just staring down at the floor, maybe you talk to the person in front of you or behind you or strike up a conversation with the cashier. Yeah. Having a conversation with somebody can open up so many possibilities. Yep. And, and I love the opportunity to get to do that. And like I said, being a podcaster, I feel it's a trait that helps create better content and makes the conversations more engrossing. So I would say I'm always someone that's looking to make others better and anything that I can do to help them do that. I'm willing to go to that level and people that work with me or have worked with me will tell you, I don't stop. I, I, I look at it from the mercenary standpoint to some degree. If you're putting money in my hand, it's now up to me to deliver because you are investing in something that you want done. I'm the person that you trusted to make that happen. I am on your side to make that happen until it does. So being able to separate failure and, and, and get past maybe a mistake or two and think about the big picture and always looking at what I can do to take people to a new level, that's what keeps me going. And that's how I see myself as a valuable asset to the world. Excellent. Well said. So if anyone wants to listen to your show, learn more about you, Anything pertaining to your world, where do they go? JasonCircone.com is the best place to land because once you land there, you can choose your own adventure. I've got a great mini course available if you're looking to be a podcast guest. It teaches you how to pitch yourself and present yourself so you get more guest appearances, but you can listen to my show. And if you're looking for additional help with the podcasting game, set up a free discovery call with me and we'll wrap and we'll share some ideas. And we'll see if it makes sense to work together. Cool, man. Jason, this has been great. Thank you. I got a quick Pittsburgh Steelers story for you. When, yes, I, was a, when I was a kid, there was a bet, a Monday night football bet with my brother. And he picked the Oilers and I picked the Steelers. 
So the Steelers kind of became my team when I was a kid. And I remember I got this this sweatsuit that had the Steelers patch. And I wore that damn thing all the time. I frayed the shit out of the bottom of it. I had the, the it was all like falling apart. And I remember there was a girl that I had a crush on in school and the patch was coming off. And it's kind of a badge of honor and to like just kind of galvanize things. I ripped that thing off like a gladiator. And I remember I gave it to her. And years later, I ran into her on Facebook and I said, you know, I will never forget giving you that patch. And I think she still had it. So <laughs> my my claim to Steelers fame is that. But I dug them. I mean, I dug Bradshaw and Franco and that that line they had. I mean, they were some mean dudes. I mean, there was mm -hmm. blood out there on the field in a way that we don't see anymore in modern days. Right. They were not playing around. Yeah, I was too young to, I mean, I wasn't born when they won. I mean, they won the last Super Bowl. I was a few weeks old, but I never got to experience that 70s dynasty other than through videos. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is football you don't see anymore. And, and we won't. And, and no, we won't. I mean, the game has changed so much. It's funny, though. I, I, me and my friends were talking about this. Bradshaw was not the greatest. I mean, his right. passing completion percentage is not good. Yeah. I think it's like around 50%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that was a defensive-driven team. And, I mean, he was a great quarterback for that situation. And, obviously, had he, he had great weapons in Franco and Stallworth and Swan and Blyer, you name it, right down the line. There was just – what I've learned about that team is they were so fun to watch just because they were just so gritty. Yeah. And they didn't take shit from anybody. Yep. No, they didn't. They didn't. Jason, this has been great, man. Thank you for opening up. Best of luck with everything. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and join you for this wonderful conversation. It's been a blast. Absolutely, man. I love it. Cool. Send my best to Pittsburgh. I will do my best. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Be my